Welcome to TopCast. This is a very quick episode, just about something that's going on right now. And it's the volatility of cryptocurrency. And the reason I'm talking about this is because I see so much emotion out there. And of course, this happens in financial markets. It's a really curious thing about economics, broadly speaking, that in financial markets, there's a lot of emotion. And this is a really new, innovative part of the economy, cryptocurrency. Ever since crypto began, enthusiasts have said something like, well, fiat money is fake anyways. Well, what's fiat money for anyone who's brand new to this? Well, let's begin there. Government-controlled currencies, the dollars and pounds that we're familiar with, have not always existed. They used to be based on something. They used to be based on the gold standard, which is to say your $100 represented $100 stored somewhere in the form of gold usually. And if you wanted, you could trade your $100 cash for the equivalent amount of gold. That's called representative money. And it no longer exists around the world as far as I know. It was apparently the American president, Richard Nixon, who decided in 1971 to get a law passed that meant the US dollar no longer represented some quantity of gold. So the gold had a certain value based on supply and demand. And the dollar was pegged to that. It was connected to the value of the gold. So the government couldn't arbitrarily, at least not easily, change the value of the gold. I guess it could itself buy up lots of gold and that would cause the value of the gold to go up, which would cause the value of the dollar to go up. But it was hard for them to just manufacture more gold. They couldn't create gold out of thin air. But when the dollar was decoupled from the gold standard in 1971 and the other governments of the world followed suit, it meant that governments could just print more money create more money out of thin air. Now, they, they could have, you know, with the representative um, currency, had just printed more money as well, but there would have been legal problems with this. After all, the law was that the dollar was worth a certain amount of gold, and so printing money in this way was much harder. So changing the law to a fiat currency, by fiat you could just decide. Fiat means you can just decide arbitrarily. And so fiat currency means the government can just decide arbitrarily the worth of the dollar. Now, people don't care much about this, but they should. And with cryptocurrency, it's entering younger people. Younger people are more interested now in economics than I think they have been ever before. Lots of young people are getting enthusiastic about cryptocurrency. But still, the typical consumer or taxpayer in the economy doesn't, I think, pay much attention to something like the value of the dollar, unless they're traveling overseas or something like that. If the government prints more money, or is being said to print more money by economists, the average person doesn't seem to care. And the economists seem to like this idea. And one of the reasons they like it is because it's called modern monetary policy, which is another word for printing money. It's another word for socialism. I'll come to that. Why should any of this matter? Well, because it causes inflation. So if you're a person who's watching this and you know nothing about uh, the financial system, nothing about how money is printed, the relationship between government and money, and what cryptocurrency is, then maybe this video is for you. It's a, it's a very baby understanding of things and what's going on right now as well. Let's just consider an example. And for many people watching who usually watch my videos, this is going to be teaching grandma to suck eggs, you know, teaching, something, teaching you something you already know. But be that as it may, let's go on.
Let's say there's something out in the world there that's hard won, something that's difficult let's, to produce. Let's say like a banana. Okay? It's not trivial to create a banana. My banana here, I might say, is worth a dollar. And at the moment, it's worth a dollar precisely because that is what I am charging for the banana. I might put it on eBay or something, say, and buy my banana. It's a dollar. And it's worth a dollar precisely if someone's willing to pay a dollar for it and not otherwise. If no one ever pays a dollar for my banana, then it's not actually worth that. It's, it's worth nothing at all because eventually it, it ends up like this and then it gets even worse than that. And if I don't eat it, well, if I eat it, then it has some value. It has value to me. But otherwise, it just becomes rotten, decays away into nothingness, and that worth, that value is gone from the universe. But if I sell it, if I'm able to put it onto eBay and I sell it for a dollar, then it's worth a dollar. Let's say I've got lots and lots of bananas. I'm a banana grower. And I put my bananas onto eBay. Of course, it's not this simple. I go to a market, whatever. It's a shame. It's a thought experiment. I, I take my bananas for a dollar and I put them onto eBay and I start selling them. But they start to sell really quickly. Now, I notice this. I notice they're selling very, very quickly. So I raise the price. I raise the price to $5 per banana. But suddenly, but now $5, that's too much of a price increase. And because they're so much more expensive, you get this people will stop buying my bananas. There is a price point beyond which people will refuse to pay. So if it's worth a dollar, it's worth a dollar because that is what someone's willing to pay. But maybe I am selling lots and lots of bananas really fast at a dollar. So I decide, well, I don't want to run out of bananas. I'm going to raise the price to just $2. And okay, the rate at which I sell bananas goes down because not everyone can now afford my $2 bananas. But I can get away with selling them for $2 and I can sell lots and I can make a lot more money than before. And importantly, I can sell maybe the maximum amount before I run out and before any of them turn out like this. What's that got to do with anything? Well, let's say the government prints money. What happens then? Well, suddenly lots of people, in particular the government itself, we'll, we'll come back to that, but let's say the government itself. But if the government prints lots of money, and they have lots of dollars. The government agent, whoever represents the government, can come along to me with their $2 and say, I'm going to buy your bananas for $2. And they can start buying up all the bananas. And of course, what do I do as someone selling bananas? Well, I raise the price of my bananas because apparently the government who wants to buy my bananas has an unlimited supply of cash. So I just raise it to five. Now, the person from the government doesn't care. Why should they care? They can just keep on printing money. They can print as much money as I can ask for. Now, not only can they, can they buy up all my bananas for whatever price, whatever price that I ask for, they can just print more money and they'll be able to give it to me, not only for my bananas, but for every public good, they can just start buying it up. And so the price of everything goes up, which is really bad for everyone else, right? Because they don't get this money that the government has printed. But the government needs to buy stuff for whatever reason, for its own offices, for its military, for um, paying back stuff to other governments that it's borrowed money from. Maybe it wants to send resources overseas. You know, in the case of Australia, we, we sell our coal to China, let's say. So if we print the money and start buying all the coal and we can send it to China because maybe we've borrowed money from China. For example, the price of everything goes up. And if the price of coal goes up, by the way, so does electricity. This is how inflation works. So therein lies the problem. If the government prints money, then that causes the price of everything else to go up to whatever the government is willing to pay. 
And those people who can't just print their own money are now forced out of the market. No one can buy the bananas. No one can buy the bananas except for the government person. Or you might think, well, you're the government, you know, you're looking after your people. If you're a good socialist, you might think to yourself, well, why doesn't the government just print money, a heap of money, and give it to the people? Okay, give everyone $1,000. This has been happening recently around the world, stimulus checks um, because of COVID, which, by the way, I think is quite moral because the government has stopped people from working and those people have hitherto been paying taxes. So they deserve to get some of it back. Putting that aside, if you're a socialist, you might very well think to yourself, well, why doesn't the government just print enough money so that everyone's a billionaire? Everyone is a billionaire. We'll just give everyone a billion dollars. Forget a $1,000 stimulus check or $10,000. Give everyone a billion. Why not? What is the limit? What is the reasonable limit that we can get? But seriously, why not? Why not make everyone a billionaire by printing money? And you see this kind of, sometimes, people don't know where to draw the line with things like minimum wage. They say, minimum wage should be raised to $15. Why not raise it to 20 or 50 or 100 They say, well, the companies can't afford it. Ah, the companies can't afford it. Correct, the companies can't afford it. But how do you know or the government know what the companies can afford? Companies typically make pretty low profits and those profits get reinvested back into the company to make better products as well as to pay the wages of their staff and to employ more people. More people is the key thing. You raise the minimum wage, they'll employ less people because they only have a certain amount of money to pay their employees. And that, that quantity of money, X, is either going to be spread among a 1,000 employees at $15 an hour, or it's going to be spread among 800 employees at $18 an hour, or whatever the maths works out to be. You get the idea. They can't just arbitrarily start to employ more people at a higher wage. Businesses don't work like that. Now, minimum wage is kind of like this idea of printing money. The uh, universal basic income is kind of like this idea of printing money. You're just giving people more money when there's not more money to give because the money has to represent something. Unless you're the government and you've got a fiat currency and you can just print as much money as you like. So I'm just going to put aside the issue of minimum wage and universal basic income. It's related, but it's not the same. When you just give people money, especially newly printed money, such that everyone is way more wealthy, and for argument's sake, we're thinking everyone gets a billion dollars in cash by the government, what happens to my bananas? Well, the price just goes up again, just the same as the argument as before. Because if everyone's got a billion dollars now, I'm not going to charge a dollar for this. I'm going to raise it, $100. People will still pay $100, won't they? Because $100 to them now is nothing. It's like, it's what a dollar was before. <laughs> no, it's, it's much, much different to that, actually. They probably pay 1000 or even $10,000 for my banana. It almost doesn't matter because there'll be someone there to meet the asking price. And that's just for bananas. Of course, you know, repeat this for luxury cars and computers, you know, um, Rolls-Royce cars. You know, if everyone became a billionaire in Australia price of a Rolls-Royce here in Australia would skyrocket to well over a billion dollars because someone would be willing to pay it. Someone would have the amount of cash to pay it. In other words, your one billion dollars, you might be a billionaire, doesn't pay for anything anymore. It buys way less than what a billion dollars did a week ago before the government printed all this money. That's called inflation. The price of things going up because there's too much money out there. Now, I mention this all for a reason. Fiat currency of the kind that we have allows government to very much control 
the price of things in this way. A central authority, in, in essence, is controlling the price. And to some extent, the supply and demand because they can print money for themselves and not for others. Or they can even print it for others as well. Either way, it changes the price of stuff. They've got their hand on the lever of supply and demand and therefore price controls, which is precisely what happens in communist regimes. And this is what makes cryptocurrency so attractive to many of us. It's decentralized. It's anti-authority. It's at a distance from the government. It allows individuals to then exchange goods and services between each other without the middleman anymore, without worrying about what the price of commodities is that the government is trying to set, the price of bananas is. I can just deal with someone else without worrying about what the government thinks the value of something is. The government is that middleman, especially when they're printing money, and they print money in an unethical way for unethical reasons. Namely, to pay for things today they cannot afford right now. And you might think, well, that's what I do with a loan. Except that the government is not the entity with the money. Its population is. So they're borrowing on behalf of people who don't want to take the loan out. The money that they have comes from taxation. Worse than that, if they borrow money today, typically they're not even expecting taxpayers of today to pay the money back, but taxpayers of tomorrow or the next generation rather, because the debt is carried through for decades sometimes. There's no guarantee the economies continue to grow. Of course, this is the hope and this is the expectation. It's the expectation even of um, someone with my worldview that thinks that progress causes knowledge creation, which causes economic growth, but not invariably and not with bad economic decisions. There's no guarantee this happens. This happens given certain conditions like capitalism, namely the opposite of what is going on with modern monetary policy, with the printing of money. So the fact that governments can, by fiat one might say, print more money to pay their own bills, especially to their own people, is absurd and perverse. This modern monetary policy is absolutely socialism by another name. Crypto is a way out of this. Cryptocurrency is a way out of this. Not only is, is cryptocurrency, it's impossible to just arbitrarily print more cryptocurrency. It just does not work. It's not only not allowed, it's not physically possible. But even if it were, at least it's not the government doing it. And, and the other thing about crypto is it's, it's no one else's business, which is a wonderful thing about it. Like, it's not the business of the government if Jane and Joe decide to exchange crypto for bananas. It's no one else's business. Everyone else can keep their noses out of it. Unless someone's being coerced or having force used against them, it's not anyone's business if Jane and Joe are engaged in a transaction. Even today, under normal circumstances, but even more so with crypto. Yes, and this is just brings me to today. People being upset about the volatility of crypto. Because yes, there are liabilities with cryptocurrencies. There is the volatility. And perhaps there will be for some time, even if the trend has been broadly upwards. There's no guarantee it will continue to rise. But nor with fiat currency either, there is absolutely no guarantee that inflation won't happen because the government is not guaranteed not to print money. Indeed, apparently they're just going to continue to print money. So inflation is a real risk at the moment. There are liabilities with either currency. It's just, at least with crypto, you don't have government control and the ability to just start printing stuff. And moreover, all we need 
all is that is needed for crypto to continue to succeed, despite the volatility that has hitherto been happening, especially over the last month in particular, is just a constant population or an increasing growing population of people to be involved in crypto, buying Bitcoin, buying Ether, buying the various other cryptocurrencies. But that's true for a nation as a whole. You need a constantly growing or at least stable population. If the population starts to decrease, then you encounter some problems. But as I say, there are liabilities. There are some liabilities with crypto. But it's no worse than fiat currencies. Indeed, it's better than those existing alternatives. The government is there to resolve conflicts when people otherwise engage in the use of force. That's the ideal form of government. Having government control the economy, finance, printing of money is abhorrent. And it's causing all sorts of economic problems. Government need not be involved in currency. Because but currency is about... It's, it's little more than the barter system. I have a banana. You have a pen. You want the banana. I want the pen. We're swapping. But, but instead of like meeting up and you know um, me carrying bananas around and you carrying around pens, we have this thing called money, which is far more convenient. And, you know, we've been carrying around cash for a long time. We've been using banks to keep the money and that kind of thing. And governments are getting involved as well. They never needed to be involved. They never needed to be involved in the first place. So crypto takes them out of it. And why not? What is government competent in doing? Simultaneous with this issue of crypto and me talking about it is the U.S. government. This has been funny to me. The U.S. government talking about parts of the US government talking about, parts of the US military, talking about the fact they have footage, evidence of alien craft or UFOs. You know, they're cagey about it, UFOs. And I'm just with Neil deGrasse Tyson on this. You know, it's, it's called an unidentified flying object. Unidentified. We don't even know if it's a flying object. Who knows what it is? My own favorite theory is, well, it's just the US military experimenting on their own military. Why wouldn't you? This is done all the time. It's always been done. Historically, this is what militaries do. There is part of the military that tests out other parts of the military. I know what happens here in Australia. Our special forces, for example, uh, try to break through our borders to test out something called our border force, which isn't quite military. It's quasi-military. You know, they're the, the border guards. And if the special forces, if our uh, SAS, the Special Air Service, can get into the country dressed as illegal immigrants then they know they've found a weakness in border protection. Now, this sort of thing happens, you know. So why wouldn't there be a top-secret part of the U.S. military? Why wouldn't there be a top-secret part of the U.S. military testing to see whether vast naval ships and fighter pilots can be tricked into thinking that there's something there when there's nothing there? Could that happen? And wouldn't that be useful? You know, if they're invaded by the Chinese one day, the Chinese Armada and Air Force, if they can flick a switch and suddenly all those pilots are seeing tic-tacs, wouldn't that be great? It's very distracting. That means that the US military now has an advantage because they can distract pilots. And why wouldn't you do it to your own pilots first, just to check out what their response is? And then you don't tell anyone about it. In fact, you so much don't tell anyone about it that your own military is absolutely convinced they've encountered UFOs over the last few years. And they're willing to tell Congress about it. And they're willing to go public about it because they can't explain it. Meanwhile, the top secret parts of, I don't know what, the Pentagon is just not saying anything. Or as various other people have said, 
we just don't know. The point is, <laughs> the point is, the government is made up of people and a lot of these people are incompetent who don't know anything. Whether it's about currencies and finance or about UFOs and military stuff. Even if they're in the military, they won't know everything. The military of the USA is absolutely vast. Uh, who was talking recently? Oh, yes, uh, it was Sam Harris uh, quoting Elon Musk, uh, who was, uh, produced a graph. Elon Musk produced this graph saying that uh, although the number of mobile phones and the resolution of their cameras have exponentially increased over the last decade, the resolution of pictures taken of UFOs has not increased exponentially. It's remained a flat line. It's still grainy and hard to see. It's a bit revealing. Okay, so anyway, that's that. My main reason for making this video today is just to observe that there is volatility in the crypto market right now. The price is fluctuating a lot. People are variously concerned or bemused or elated. The trend in the long term is nevertheless an ongoing rise. Can we guarantee it will continue? Not at all. But the underlying explanation for why people want into this is coupled to the same groups, the people who are interested in crypto, the same groups, aversion, skepticism of government interventions into stuff. And those feelings won't be going anywhere. Yeah, there's a whole other group of people the socialists and so on, the people who love the government, who love the state, who want the state to have as much or even more power than they do right now. They want the state to do lots of things for them, employ them, cure them, treat them, house them, give them money. They want a paternalistic state. And there are others who reject all that and moreover want to extricate themselves from part of the government, maybe not all of the government, but, but parts of the government to try and get away from this control as they see it of the state on the individual. And those people are increasing in number, which means that the number of people just in general is increasing, of course. So both groups are increasing. But these people that are interested in crypto, who have this skepticism of government and fiat currency and what the government does with money, is only going to increase. And the number of places where crypto is going to be useful and used and accepted are only going to increase as well. Look, it used to be the government controlled information and in some places still controls information, North Korea and China and so on. Some of the parts of the West, governments are trying to control information too and so-called big tech is trying to do that. But most people realise, in the West at least, that the internet now, the internet now is such that knowledge of individuals out there who use the internet is such that any attempt by a Western government to control the flow of information is pointless. It's a pointless exercise. The tech heads and smart people are in the main not inside the governments. So it's it's not a fair fight at all. The smart people, the tech savvy people are outside the governments. The Western governments cannot control the flow of information. Indeed, in many places like the USA, there are laws and institutions in place already that prevent the government from intervening much into this area. Currency is just another kind of information. A cryptocurrency is another kind of information. And so any attempt to control this or to fiddle with the knobs, and I think like Elon Musk, you know, he first he said he loved Bitcoin, so the price went up. And then he said he was out of Bitcoin and he wasn't allowing people to pay for tests with Bitcoin, and so it went down again. This is one of the liabilities of cryptocurrencies for the moment. But they're a new technology. And eventually, things will stabilize. But I don't think they're going away. And I wouldn't be concerned about the fact that for the moment, 
there is fluctuations in the market because it's a virtuous market like other markets as well. It's providing value and it's providing a means whereby individuals can control to some extent their interactions with each other without having a third party, specifically the government, getting involved because those people in the government don't know what they're doing. They're not expert in much at all except government stuff and that's not finance, that's not information, that's not science, that's a whole bunch of things that they're not expert in. So don't be concerned about volatility. This too shall pass.